doing my Rachel Maddow thing, you know, where she looks down and then somebody in her ear says, and then she looks up. She acts busy. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to have you with us. Hey, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It is uh, Tuesday, did not look, June 6th. Yeah. I should have known that. Today's one of those one of those days in history that has a lot of things. Do you know this about June 6th? I, I, I know Kennedy, it's my parents' anniversary. Oh, I think Bobby Kennedy was assassinated on this day. I think, oh. like... Norm the attack on Normandy where a bunch of teenagers were coerced into into war that happened on this day so probably a few other things happy anniversary to your parents of course yeah um hey and if June 6th is the meaningful day to any of you uh let us know and uh yeah. it's not a meaningful day to me at all I wouldn't have known that had I not seen a couple of news headlines today that June 6th is one of those days but I don't I don't I don't keep up uh, by the way I'm Doug Padger from Minneapolis the weather is uh summery and wonderful um, Rob, I don't keep Rob from somewhere outside of, uh, Springdale, Arkansas, uh, or in Springdale, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somewhere outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Somewhere outside of Fayetteville. Um, which also should be the name of an album somewhere outside of Fayetteville. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll work it's on not that. Bad. I'll work on that song. Um, I don't pay a lot of attention to World War II history. Do, do, do you, are you, are you one of those cats? Are you a, you a World I'm, War II history buff? I mean, I, I I like a good Saving Private Ryan movie, but I mm. and I enjoyed okay. uh, you know I enjoyed the uh, the Band of Brothers and but oh, uh, but it, the fiction the know, fictional tales yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I a little bit yeah I, I mean, yeah. but I'm not a buff in any way shape or form I'm not buff in any way shape or form yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> not a buff not buff. Yeah. Well, uh, well, happy, I don't know, Remembrance Day to the people who who do keep keep track yeah. of those of those things. Um, doesn't yeah. seem like short of September 11th, we have any of those currently in the generation of us ish. Right. There's not really a day. Maybe yeah. January 6th for the, mm-hmm. you know, the soft civil war. That's uh, yeah. it's maybe brewing. Well, okay. Happy Politics Day, Rob. Th- some things happening. Oh, big if day! You fo- if you follow the news streams that I follow, uh, oh, it, it, the the you know it's like the build up to March Madness for basketball oh. fans that Donald Trump is going to be indicted sometime this week. Uh, all the indications now, people that are into this, here's why they say so: because his lawyers went and met at the Justice Department yesterday. With, yeah. with, uh, with the, the special Smith. counsel and uh, and team, and um, they've rumors are out that uh, an indictment is coming, and Trump's people, Trump's lawyers, um, probably pro bono lawyers, most likely working pro bono. <laughs> they don't know that they're working pro bono. <laughs> no, no, they're gonna. It's gonna be a big write off uh, here in a bit because the way you don't pay taxes is you just have a lot of business losses. So Trump's like, hey, I'm going to help you on your taxes. I'm going to stiff you, and then you can write that off and not not pay your taxes like I didn't pay mine. Those lawyers are out saying things like, oh, Trump is not going to be indicted. Because here's what you do if you're messaging, and I would do it too if I were messaging on their side. You start to make, there's no way they're going to indict so that yep. when Trump is indicted, people feel more outraged, right? Because right yep. now, people are just like, tick-tock, hey, are we, uh, you know, after we get done with you know, World War II Remembrance Day, can we get on to uh, indicting the failed presidential candidate? And uh, it's just become like, when is it happening, not if it's happening. So 
Uh, all indications seem to be it could be as early as this week, which means it'll probably be late August, right? If if you're if you're in the world of it, what is it that you're hearing about about such things? Yeah, that's uh, you know exactly that. I, I I saw you know some reports last night that they could come as early as Thursday, um, you know, and I, I, you're totally right about the approach that Trump's team is taking, really kind of downplaying um, even the idea of an indictment mm. because then it seems like it 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 makes it that out that the evidence is um, not nearly as strong as, you know, it probably is a um, oh, number yeah. of definitely. <laughs> I, is. I, I've also heard that um, it, it sounds like there's a, the, so the grand jury is back. The federal grand jury is back in DC um, listening to uh, evidence presented by, um, Jack Smith and his team. And can I just say again, for the record, um, you just look at a picture of Jack Smith and, um, man, this is a guy, I, I do not want this person investigating my life. <laughs> like, well, are, you, just, are, you, are you more intimidated by the Unabomber looking one where he has that beard and he looks oh, like he's yeah. got a wild eye and he was living in yeah. the woods or the oh, one where he's, he's clean shaven and looks like, uh, you know, a Josh Holly stand in. Uh, a little real straight up both with, yeah both but the one with it seems like he's wearing some kind of european like robe for totally. you know because he was he was a prosecutor at the hague at the hague. Uh, yeah so anyways mm -hmm. so um apparently i i heard as well and i i don't know the the veracity of this i assume it's true but uh you know well who knows um Apparently, there's a second federal grand jury that has convened in Florida. Yeah. Um, that that could, and speculation is that they that this grand jury is focused in on the people around Donald Trump um, and their actions in covering up the um, um, the stolen classified documents and uh, an obstruction of justice. Now, typically, what we see with this kind of thing. And this is what, um, you know, makes this a little bit different. You think back to all of the presidential scandals that you can think, you think back to Watergate and certainly Nixon had to resign, but there was, um, you know, G Gordon Liddy and, you know, a whole bunch of other people that ended up, you know, going to prison as a result of that. You think about, Iran Contra and Ali North goes to prison because of that. Um, you, you, you just it, Scooter you, Libby with Scooter uh, Libby, voices, yeah, you know? yes, and it seems like and and certainly Trump. And then in the Obama years, then in the Obama years, who none? Oh, that's <laughs> none. right. There were no yeah, zero special prosecutors, no scant. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, but when you when you think about that, like, and certainly there have been people around Trump who have gone to prison, but it hasn't felt like there is a central fall guy. Like, <laughs> no, there's one. <laughs> right. This is. I mean, this is the point I'm getting to. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like there's a. Uh, okay, Trump should have known that this was happening, but he's got some plausible deniability, like. Like, I'll, you know, like you, with Ronald Reagan and Iran-Contra, like, okay, Reagan should have known. It's like, 
I, you know, Ollie North was acting on what he thought Reagan wanted, but there's some, like, there's a little bit of like a, like a, a hint of like, okay, maybe he's acting independently. Yeah. A little lack of culpability. Sure. Can make yeah. That argument. There's none of that with Trump. There's no, because none of they, it. Dude, when they, when they pierced, it. when they pierced the lawyer client privilege, when, <clears throat> when the process, when, Jack and others brought the case to the judges and said, we need to bring Corcoran, Trump's lawyer in here, and you need to compel him to tell us because we have proof that he conspired with his lawyer to commit a crime. And first the judge and then the D.C. federal panel, appeals panel, both approved the breaching of the client (laughs) uh, lawyer privilege. Under the auspices that they can do this if there's evidence that a crime was committed, is the evidence that a crime was committed. Like, that was the game right there. So his lawyer could be the one who's also uh, culpable and just sang like a bird. And apparently, you know, they have these transcripts from his, uh, (laughs) and he just was in a car just talking, telling everything. They have Trump so on the hook for this thing. Yes. Yep. It's uh, both on the obstruction and on on taking taking these documents. And and here's why you know that that's happening because what Trump is now saying is what I did is not a crime. It's the thing he does all the time, <laughs> right? Yes. I didn't do yes. anything. It wasn't a to. It wasn't a crime. It, it, it's yeah. just it's it's yeah. so it's a little and, bit it, boring yeah. actually and, that this is the yeah. same old thing. That he just does every single time, but man, yeah. this time he is in some serious, serious trouble. Yeah. And again, we've we've made comment here before. This is a man who has a criminal case. He's a criminal indicted uh, uh, felon for something he did before he was in office. This thing that's coming about the the files and the and the documents is after he was out of office. And there's two charges pending for while he was in office. Before, during, and after, he has cases pending against him. It is simply amazing. And that's not even the ones that would come from the from the Mueller report where they said, well, had he not been the president of the United States, we could have we would have uh, recommended prosecuting him on obstruction of justice. But because yes. he's a sitting president, we we realized that you know we can't we can't recommend that. It's just simply stunning the 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 stack of of issues that are that are up against yeah. him. Doesn't mean thirty two percent of Republicans aren't going to vote for him. It doesn't mean twenty four percent of Americans aren't going to be voting for him. They certainly will. Um, because, you know, say what you want about this country. We do have a love affair with our famous criminals. There's a lot of famous criminals. I mean, just think about <laughs> Billy the Kid and, you know, all, all of it. You oh. know, uh, Scarface. Al, like we love Al Capone. This. Al Capone is what jumped to mind for me as soon as you said that. I yeah. I, I pictured uh, Geraldo Rivera entering Al Capone's empty minds. And totally. Empty. We love that stuff in America, the outlaw deal. So there's a whole sector that's going to turn all of this stuff into, I mean, that's literally what they've done with the January 6th crowd. Yeah. Truly yeah. what they've done. Yeah. They've, they've turned them, they've turned them into it. By the way, did you see the article of uh, the, the QAnon shaman who doesn't yes. want to use that title anymore? I sent um, you, did, did you watch the video that I sent you, Doug? Of the I QAnon shaman dressed like uh, Rex Kwando from, uh, 
from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, no. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, Doug. Really? Oh, I feel like this is one of those. I was. I was. I. I took Whimsy to art camp this morning. She. Uh, she's spending most of the summer in in week long camps, and this is art camp where she's uh, making uh, you know animal art things this week and uh you know having a great time doing it and i was thinking as i was driving back um uh, thinking about the podcast and i had the thought we haven't played the game where i show a video that doug hasn't seen and we get his reaction in real time we haven't that done been, that in a while um been a good one so yeah so the QAnon shaman has made a video he made a video right after he got out of jail he's dressed not in the horns and shirtless uh, instead, he's dressed like Rex from Rex Quando, if you might remember that from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Um, okay. Maybe I did see and, this. And uh, you know, he's got, I think, a white suit and American tie flag on. And uh, he does, is not repentant at all. He completely doubles yeah. down on his um, belief that January 6th was... Uh, justified that the election was stolen, that Donald Trump should be president, doubles down on his um, mix. Remember, he's the one who prayed the blasphemous prayer in the uh, in in the from the dais at the uh, at the Senate chamber, uh, doubles down on his blasphemous Christian nationalism and mixing his his politics with his religious beliefs. And uh, yeah, it is it is quite a video. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is really yeah, something. I he's out. He's out and pitching his wares, man. He's yep. just out as a political prisoner. And interestingly, pitching his view of Jesus as a master teacher who traveled around um, consuming uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. So there's there's a whole. He's got a whole other Christian narrative as well. So. It's really gonna really gonna mix up the pot for a lot. Well, of people. as they you know, as they say, the blind squirrel. <laughs> you're like, sure. I'm just he's gonna got, leave he's that. Got there. the insurrection wrong, but you know, if you yeah. really read the text, you might be onto something uh, with his Jesus theories. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Quen in the uh, on on Facebook is asking, uh, what charge is Trump guilty of? Great question. Okay, depends on which of the four cases one wants to talk about the one that he's being charged for is hush money payments that was uh in a legal scam uh in, designed to defraud the federal government and to defraud the state of new york so that's that's the one and then there is the uh documents case where he kept documents that he shouldn't have had so it's going to be espionage but then also obstruction of justice is going to be that one. And then there's interfering with an election in Georgia. That one's coming because he called from the Oval Office, called uh, people who have legal responsibilities in Georgia and pressured them to violate the law. And then there's the insurrection. We haven't even gotten to the ginning up a seditious action in the, in the insurrection. So those are the kinds of things, all of which would normally just be the end of someone. I, I think yeah, I think and, and I would, back to 1999 when George W. Bush wanted to become the president. I was living in Texas at the time and he was the governor of Texas and word broke that in his twenties, he had uh, been pulled over and given a DUI citation 
and they went into full meltdown mode trying to save his candidacy because there was oh, a DUI. Was, yeah, was. that was like a day or two. That was like a day or two before election day. And I, I would just, in, in addition to the four um, uh, indictments and pending indictments that you mentioned, Doug, I would also just um, remind Gwen that um, um, Donald Trump has also been found liable by a jury of his peers in a civil case of um, of um, sexual assault as well as defamation, mm-hmm. um, and the reason that uh, you know he was not charged criminally with those is because of the statute of limitations has passed, uh, but he was found liable by a jury of his peers mm-hmm. for um, really hor- horrible behavior towards um, Gene Carroll. Yeah. And the only reason that the rape charge he was now found guilty on was the technicality of what counts as rape in the state of New York. There are certain conditions that have to be in place of the kind of violation. Yeah. So that's why it wasn't charged for, it wasn't found guilty on the rape charge, but on the sexual assault charge, he was. Well, Hey, our first, our first live comment from, uh, from Twitch, by the way, we do put this. Oh, we're on Twitch now. Twitch. And some of the lesser uh, known and less respectable social media sites, Twitter, yeah. uh, we're, we're on there as well. Uh, Facebook, m- multiple pages. So you could be on any of those places, uh, but our primary place is YouTube. So uh, SMOJ420Q, um, uh, thanks for your comment about this being a fake show. Not a fake show. This is real. It's even a real background. That's not even a fake background. Yeah, right there. me so too. It's a real background. Me too. Uh, hey, Doug, can but I? But it uh, could be better if you went over to YouTube. So head over to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Love yeah. the Volcom oh. and Good channel yeah. over there. That's you get extra bonuses. Jim knows. Jim knows. Um, you get extra bonuses over there. So head on over, Doug. I, you know, I I occasionally um, I like to uh, bring a little professional wrestling talk into uh, into our podcast um, on occasion. Um, did you see the amazing story this week? Um, so, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, um, her m- mother um, gave birth to her out of wedlock and uh, has um, long claimed that um, Lauren Boebert's father uh, is professional wrestler Stan Lane. Now, really? Now, Stan Lane might not be a name that's familiar to everybody. It's not. Well, it's not like a household name like Hulk Hogan or you know The Rock or Jesse the whoever. Body Ventura. <laughs> Jesse, thank you, Minnesotan. <laughs> Jesse the Body that. Ventura. Uh, but Stan us. Lane in the '80s was a part of mm-hmm. you know um, some of the most famous tag sure. teams in professional wrestling, the Midnight Express in particular. And uh, apparently he had a um, there was a paternity suit against him in the state of Florida that caused him so that he could not even enter the state of Florida lest he risk being arrested. Um, So he's Lauren Boebert's mom has long claimed that Stan Lane was Lauren Boebert's father. Mm -hmm. And um, this this. um, rumor has persisted and, um, and Lauren Boebert has even claimed it publicly uh, a couple of times. I think there's some Facebook posts that have been dug up where she, um, uh, 
is claiming that Stan Lane was her father. Uh, apparently this week, um, well, this week the news was announced that earlier in the month of May, um, they finally got the paternity tests. And as it turns out, Stan Lane is not her father. Really? Um, yeah. And so it just, you know, one, did, and, did, did they get to the bottom of it though? Did they, was it? Have they figured no, out I don't think so, but uh, but apparently he has accepted um, accepted the apology of Lauren Boebert and hmm. uh, and Lauren Boebert's mother for um, decades of you know telling you know telling a falsehood. Yeah, being uh, wrong about that. Yeah. So, but one of those weird things. So we don't know who Lauren Boebert's father is. Not that it's any of our business, but it is not. Look, it's the it making. Not. Of it. Stanley, of a great of a great of star trilogy Express. yeah i mean yeah i mean wouldn't that have been something wouldn't that have would that have been something like that it's, really would have been amazing it's one of the great it's one of the great stories you know that uh one one would build a story of people in the stars about yeah like like not knowing who your dad is that's that's pretty that's pretty classic that's that's yeah. that's pretty classic you know look Lauren Boebert is not my favorite uh, politician. I don't think Lauren Boebert should be an elected member of Congress. We're going to do all we can to support uh, her moving on to other things, you know, as she is. We like to remind all of us, uh, a human being and therefore a beloved child of God, light of the world, salt of the earth, but not every light of the world should be a Congress person from the great state of Colorado. So she should take her dim little light and let it shine someplace else. But she's, she's made it. I mean, yeah. look, she she came from a tough situation. She married herself in a tough situation. She had to raise kids in a tough situation. You know, I would just love to be able to cheer Lauren Boebert on for the things she's accomplished in her life and having to overcome some real painful difficulties. Like, lots of people do, but she's kind of... Now, if she would use all of that to not create wackadoodleness. Yeah. And stirring up things and and turning, you know, citizen against citizen and 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 all the other nonsense that goes on. Yeah, we can talk about that. But, you know, congratulations yeah. to her on on uh on on figuring it out. And uh you know, and her and Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, also, you know, they're a couple peas in a pod. They're sort of the unwoke sisters, you know, of the of of Congress. If you, you don't even know who we're talking about, my deepest apologies uh, for talking about these people. And congratulations on not knowing who Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are. Oh, um, but both of them have been in tough situations right now themselves. You know, they yeah. both had their marriages end while they've been in Congress for these last couple of years, and a lot of personal you know, struggle, a lot of accusations about affairs that they're having with people. And they're both, pipe you know, statedly Christian women that have high moral standards by their own act, by, by their own, you know, uh, acclamation. And yeah. so look, things are, it's been, been hard on them. There's just a human side to, to politics that you should always remember. Things, things are tough, you know, for, for people when, and they still have to live their lives. And their lives are really, really difficult. They both come from very difficult situations. Congratulations on achieving something and being, you know, achieving your goals. Time to move on and stop with the 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 harmful, uh, you know, I, I don't know if wackadoodle is even a phrase one can use anymore. But the wackadoodleness of all of this uh, is just, yeah. just, just too much. Yeah. So speaking of uh, speaking, but all again, the best, all the best all to the best. us. 
Oh, for sure. So Lauren Boebert was also caught lying this week about um, her participation in the um, in voting for uh, or voting against the um, the um, raising the uh, the debt ceiling um, hmm. and you know uh, participating in the you know um, wackadoodle. Kabuki theater, as, well, as you might Michael say, say it. it really sounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so she, Doug, do you, do you have any thoughts? Do, what, what's your thought on, I, I've seen kind of point and counterpoint on this. Does the, does Kevin McCarthy come out of this debt ceiling debacle? Um, weaker or stronger? Um, I think it, it comes out different. I think his circumstance and situation was very precarious going into this on one side. <clears throat> he was seemingly held hostage by the burn it all down crowd, right? The ones who were like, if we go into default, we go into default. The government's been the problem anyway. We got to raise yep. this thing and build something yep. new and all the rest of it really held hostage by that crowd. And they were saying it flat out. Yeah. After all of this, those people have been weakened, but now he's in a other spot where he's now not trusted by those people. So he's now precarious on the other side. It's, it's like watching uh, a, a gymnast on the balance beam and you, you know, you think they're going to fall one way and then they're going to maybe fall the other way. So I think that's where yeah. he is. He's now maybe going to fall the other way, whether he can, get out of this speakership with anything even remotely uh, that he would be proud of. I think his standards are very low, frankly, of what he would be, what he would be proud of. He is not like a Paul Ryan. He is not like a Newt Gingrich. He's not like some of these others in the Republican lineage, a Boehner even, who had a thing that they were really committed to, like they had something they were holding on to that they wanted he doesn't doesn't have a thing he wants. That's been the thing about Kevin McCarthy all along. Everyone is speaker. It. Yeah, that that was it. That's what he wanted. He 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 just meaning he didn't have a philosophy or he didn't have a, yeah. a big project he was moving. I mean, I don't know why the Republicans aren't still screaming that he doesn't bring an end to Obamacare because my goodness gracious, I remember lots of years of that being the big concern. Yeah. But he, there there is not a thing. And now the debt ceiling has passed, so it's not even like fiscal responsibility can be his thing because he totally got rickrolled. I mean, the 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 negotiators on the on the administration side must have just gone out with their fancy little martini glasses the night that that uh, bill was passed and just smirked and yeah. said, "Wow, that was yeah, a, so that was a big scare and not even hard work." I mean, they did it on the they did it on the side while they were doing something else. Like, oh, we have that meeting with Kevin today and his crowd. Okay, let's go in there and just get everything we want. I think yeah. the person who comes out on top of all that is Biden. Frankly, oh, for Biden sure. just comes out being able to say. Hey, always willing to negotiate. If you don't have control of a, of a house of, you know, of Congress, you can't yeah. do everything. So you got to give a little to get a little. We gave a little and got everything we wanted. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So it's. Yeah. it's so I, I wonder, does this. I think this could break one of two ways. I, and here's how I think it might break. Um, this either the the rubber band stretches and 
does it snap back to its mm. original size in the sense that Kevin McCarthy um, really put a lot of stress on his relationship with the extreme, you know, mm-hmm. Freedom Caucus, um, burn it down uh, wing of his party? Um, does that does that since he, he caused that pressure to happen? Does it? now snap back and he mm. does things to appease them and bring them back into the fold or does the rubber band stretch and it snaps and Kevin McCarthy realizes that he can get stuff done without them. And maybe he feels no longer held hostage, held back by them um, where Hey, you know, even working with moderate Democrats, you know, like because, you know, a lot of progressive Democrats in the House didn't vote for um, this debt ceiling uh, situation either um, for a variety of reasons. So it was the type of thing that, you know, didn't have a lot of support on either end of the mm-hmm. on either end of the political spectrum, but had support in the middle. Does like does this bring about a new era in McCarthy's speakership where he is no longer beholden to the hmm. the Freedom Caucus, which gave him the speakership, and now mm-hmm. he's willing to work with Hakeem Jeffries and get stuff passed and just say, well, you know, screw uh, it. Okay, I'm, I think here's what happened. I think that the as the debt crisis was looming, they were polling, they were going back home, talking to constituents. I think Republicans realized nobody in the Republican voting bloc wanted the government to default. Of course not. So what happened, I think, was they realized, oh, this we're not getting we're not getting any bonus points for this at all. Like there there's no win in this. Even if we reduce spending on something at a federal level, look, nobody cares about federal spending really. Ultimately, it's always a ploy towards something else. So what I think happened was they realized fairly quickly okay, we're not going to fight hard over this. So they came out, gave a little press conference behind some microphones and said, this is a horrible thing. No one should vote for it, right? And then they didn't, so they can go back and say, I didn't vote, I didn't vote for it. But they weren't going to fight. Now the question will become, can Republicans find anything that they care about, that their voters care about, that they can make a big stink on? And I think they're having a very hard time. Literally, I think Drag they're having shows. a hard time doing it. Yeah. 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 What's it going to be? You're going to just keep picking on trans kids? Or are you just going to keep picking on Target and, and Bud yeah. Light? And you're just going to well, go I've... on your DeSantis-like weirdo wackadoodle wokeness tour? Yeah. And I, wackadoodle I think wokeness tour is a pretty, is a pretty good Wackadoodle phrase, wokeness tour. Yeah. Well, that's you know, the... When, when we are... Uh, when you make the album of Somewhere Outside of Fayetteville... Um, you know, you can go on the Wackadoodle Wokeness tour to promote that album. Um, I think, like a kid's band. I mean, I, the winning, it, I don't know. I think the issue that Republicans will push and will, um, I, I think it get, giving them the best chance to, to win that is not one of these culture war issues is, is the issue of crime. Um, I think they, okay. ironically enough. Yeah. Um, so I, I recently, um, a few weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity to, I was in an event um, with um, Democratic supporters um, here in the state of Arkansas. And I spent some time talking with 
a, uh, a public defender uh, who works um, in central Arkansas, um, but not like in Little Rock. He works kind of outside in more rural areas. And uh, and so I, I asked him, I said, I said, what's a typical like, because I, I've never really talked to a public defender before. I said, you know, like, what's a typical like caseload for you? Mm-hmm. You know, like how many, how many cases are you working at a time? Because I was just curious. And he said, pre-COVID, um, there he said there were six of there's six of us in the office. He said pre-COVID, um, we each had about a hundred cases at a time. At a time that they were working. That was a typical caseload. He said, now we each have 600 cases. That's a and lot. I, I said, what, oh, like, what in the world? And, and he talked about how he thinks that, you know, the pandemic caused some kind of, you know, break in folks and in crime is it in all aspects in all facets is surging around the country. And this is, I mean, this is not like a, you know, back the blue law and order. And, and so, you know, I was kind of chatting with him about like what, what, what we could do to make a difference. And, and one of his three solutions was demilitarize the police, which um, uh, his solution, this is a public defender, his solution to crime in America is demilitarize the police, uh, yeah, which, so which didn't is fantastic. Have an answer. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, no, no, because no, he was tying, like, he thinks that there is, uh, you know, a real connection between the, sure. um, yeah. you know, the militarized police approach mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to, to crime in America. So anyways, so I say all of that to say, I think that there is an opportunity for Republicans to run on, um, on crime, tapping into, you know, the, this is going to it's going to tie in with all of the kind of the the racist dog whistles that we see from Republicans all the time. Um, you know, they're going to be able to talk about law and order. And it. so anyways, I feel like mm-hmm. that's a that could be a winning issue for them um, if they're able to pivot to that from I mean, your point of like, what are they going to run? Or like, what are they yeah, what do they have? Yeah. Yeah. Like. And they don't have the people debt. Don't they don't have the debt. They don't have enough. Yeah, they don't have congressional victories because Joe Biden has completely outdone Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they don't have legislative victories. All they have is either the cultural stuff or, you know, I, I think a, a crime message. So it's going to be interesting to see. But we're also, I mean, we're going to have to wade through all of the different voices of people uh, mm-hmm. who are going to, you know, make these arguments. As uh, the Republican field um, for president, you know, gets a little bit bigger Expands. today. Yeah, yeah, because I think the one thing that they run against, I think they took a lesson from Democrats over the last five years, and that was make the president the problem. Mm-hmm. So what they've decided to do is to make Biden the problem. So it's always comes back to the Biden administration, this, the Biden administration, that, and that that that's where they're trying to lay the blame. Maybe it's a workable strategy. I don't know. They, they don't have another option, right? It's just get by now. So that will probably work well in a presidential year, which is coming. And as you say, today, Chris Christie is going to announce his candidacy in just among the most, like, I, look, I, I don't care what Donald Trump writes in all caps over on the 
you know, the sub Twitter level truth, social, <laughs> social network, but, uh, he's going to, you know, lose his mind when Chris Christie comes out announcing his candidacy today, as you were mentioning a week or two ago, that you thought that was coming. And Christie's primary thing is going to be Donald Trump as a problem. And Chris Christie yeah. worked harder than anybody to support Trump so much so yeah. that he got COVID and nearly died. Because he was, he literally put his <laughs> life on the line for the man, Chris Christie. I mean, this guy just couldn't be worse in my mind. And I've, but my wife is like, you need to work out your relationship with Chris Christie because he doesn't know you, and you do you despise him as a public politician in a way yeah. that's not that's not um, right and helpful. But this guy, but he's in. Mike Pence is uh, filed his paperwork mm-hmm. uh, to run, so Mike Pence is going to be in. Governor from New Hampshire is out. The guy from North Dakota, I can't remember if the governor from North Dakota, well, I can't remember his name, and I can't remember if he's in or out, uh, but that one's. But she. I'll tell you. She? Or maybe that's South Dakota. I think that's South Dakota. I know that's South Dakota. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. I know. Um, Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire is out. Apparently. He's out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Sununu's out, which is disappointing. I thought he could be a real breath of well, fresh air in that in that world but yeah there's um there's some speculation that um he is open to being courted by the no labels um effort to oh. um, run a unification ticket with a republican and a democrat running together um so we'll we'll see mm-hmm. um so we've got chris christie i mean you are you're spot on doug with this you know, we have short memories, right? You know, we do, we have short memories here in America. We, you know, like Ted Lasso might say, be a goldfish. And, um, you know, we, you know, we have like, we have short memories. Are our memories that short? Because I seem to remember being with my son, Calvin, at the airport in Northwest Arkansas in a hangar with a bunch of mm-hmm. MAGA people. And I seem to remember Donald Trump's plane landing. And I, I'm sure I remember Chris Christie going to the microphone and introducing the nope. next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Uh, and I seem to remember like Chris Christie was the first kind of mainstream politician to get on board with Trump. I seem to remember him chairing the transition committee and mm-hmm. doing debate prep, even in, you know, 2020 helping Donald Trump yeah. prepare to debate Up Joe to Biden. election day. Mm-hmm. I, which is, I, right. Liz Cheney level of support for the man. I mean, just Adam Kissinger. I, I mean, even level beyond all in. Yeah, even beyond Liz Cheney's support for the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I. So the fact that Chris Christie's running is not a surprise because maybe he has a sense. Like, if his case was okay, Trump is too damaged, but I'm going to be the heir apparent to Trump, and I'm going to yeah. Ride on that legacy, but that's not how he's coming in. He is coming in as yeah. the anti-Trump, anti-Trump candidate. Guy. Yeah, yeah, the anti-Trump guy. Which well, and maybe maybe he's, all he's, of this comes down to you know 
real bitterness January 6th. that January that, 6th. He's got well, I was, point. I was going to go earlier than that. Um, I think all of this comes down to, you know, in 2015, when Trump entered the race, he really, he, he took, he took, I mean, <laughs> in, in, again, in the professional wrestling, um, world, this might be called gimmick infringement. Um, you oh. know, like somebody's mm-hmm. got a gimmick, they've got a right. thing, they've got a, and then somebody else comes in and does the same thing. Right. Don't, don't Not do a pile cool. driver or a scissor kick off the third, you know, off the top rope. That's my, that's my trick. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, Chris Christie had a gimmick, the straight talking loud mouth bully from the Northeast who doesn't quite fit right. in traditional Republican categories, or an but he's going to, he's going to say what he really thinks right. and, you know, consequences be damned. Yeah. And then Donald Trump comes <laughs> and enters the race and takes his gimmick yeah. and, and Chris you know, Christie so, looks like a liar. Yeah, I know. yeah. So, Con so man. maybe this. So, I, I mm. listen. I in Fair in enough. former days, um, when I was um, a Republican and a, um, you know, much 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 more loyal to the Republican Party than I am today, as a person who has virtually no party loyalty whatsoever, um, I, I I used to like Chris Christie. Mm. Um, I, I there was. I liked his moderate policies in New Jersey. I liked his his uh, his different style. I now have a much different opinion of him. Um, much of that comes from kind of m- moving beyond wanting that confrontational approach to politics. But he has shown himself to be a complete and utter hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And uh, but. It's going to be fun to see him in the in this race. Well, hey, look, it's going to get spicy now because Nikki Haley's been in for a while. She's started to push back pretty hard on both DeSantis and Trump and all that DeSantis is saying, we've got to quit losing. So they're all going after Trump. I mean, look, the, granted, this happens in politics, that people who served in administration start to get an inkling that they should sit in the, you know, in the captain's seat rather than in the in the co-pilot seat, but it's not a good look when you were the president and then the people who were, was, who were your vice president, your debate prep, your ambassador to the UN, uh, your chosen candidate for, for governor for want to run after you have announced. Yeah. Right. This was the mistake Trump made. The mistake yeah. Trump made by getting in early was now all these people's statements are we're running against him. Had he had any kind of political impulse and waited and stepped in later instead of thinking that was going to protect him from federal indictment, then, you know, it would have, he could have changed this narrative and said, none of these people are good enough. You know, you all knew I was coming in and I came in. But now the statement is Trump is in and I don't think he should be, he's the presumptive nominee and I don't think he should be. So now these people get to take the high road. But I think they're all in simply for this reason, that Trump will be in a circumstance that he cannot run. You know, I've had this fever dream that all the cases are going to come to a, come to a head because Trump is going to be told, You'll get a plea deal, but it's going to mean you can never hold public office again. They're going to bundle a bunch of things together, and that's going to be the way out for everybody. Trump can't hold public. And then there's going to be a big gaping hole 
And then now it's between Chris Christie and when Chris Christie sits around and looks at this gaggle of people and thinks one of these people is going to get the nomination and have a chance to run against Biden. I'm not sitting that one out. Um, This is, you know, this is among my last chances for something like this. Uh, So, yeah, he's he's had presidential ambitions from, you know, the the start of it all when he was a when he was a whatever was a federal prosecutor. He was thinking yeah. I should really be the president of the United States. He's been he's been politically hungry for a, for a very long time, and that was not a joke about his hunger level. Um, but he has been politically hungry for a very for for a very long time. And he's in, and now Pence is. So it's going to get crowded. A couple other people. Somebody put in the chat here. Uh, somebody I don't even know who that is. Do you know who Doug Burgum is? Um, no. Doug Burgum is announcing that. Well, well, Kathy uh, Lee Holly. Uh, tell us who who that is. I I don't know. I don't know who that is. But Cornell West is also in. Rob, uh, yeah, third party candidate. Marianne Williamson is in. Third party candidate. Not third. Uh, no, no. Mary. Oh no, she's Marianne running as a Democrat. Is, she's yeah. running as a Democrat, as is That's RFK. So th- listen, is RFK this is, announced. Has he has he filed yeah. papers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he's that's in. For, that's yeah. for real. Yeah. So okay. I thought he was um, exploratory. Committee. No, 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 no. So, yeah. So Joe Biden has two primary challengers, uh, Marianne Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, neither of which are, you know, like to your point of, you know, Joe Biden's not facing, um, you know, a political heavyweight. I mean, Jimmy Carter, when he was primaried in 1980, he was primaried by Teddy Kennedy, yeah. a sitting senator, you know, like, come on, like that. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden's not being primaried by at this point, right. um, you know, super heavyweight candidates, though. I, I have a lot of affection for Marianne Williamson. Um, so entering into the race yesterday, shockingly, surprisingly, I did not. Um, Doug Burgum is the governor of North Dakota, apparently. Oh, that's uh, the one. Way. So he is in. OK, yeah, that's when we were talking about whether he was going to be in or, in or out. But now he's coming. Yeah. In. Yes. Um, I, I, good luck to you, Doug. Uh, yeah, look, I've realized of the fifty governors, I can name only a few. I yeah. just don't. I don't know my governors. <laughs> I mean, I got DeSantis. I got Newsom. I got Walls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, Cornell West, um, Doctor Cornell West, um, announced yesterday in a video that he is also running for president. Um, so court, so this is, this is fascinating news. Cornell West, um, longtime Harvard professor and, um, sociologist and someone who's, who's spoken out, um, about poverty and civil rights and has been a really compelling public figure for, Mm -hmm. you know, decades now, someone that, you know, a, a lot of us have a lot of affection for, um, he was a active um, supporter of, of Bernie Sanders campaigns for president and, um, um, you know, often campaigned with, uh, with Bernie and um, was a, uh, um, a, a surrogate for him on, on news shows. Uh, so Cornell West announced that he's he that he's he's running for president at, uh, as a third party candidate. Um, I, I don't know, Doug. You know what, what? When I texted you this yesterday, I mean, what was your what like? What are your thoughts about this? 
Well, I, I, look, third third parties just they're they well, don't make talk... sense politically. So why yeah. someone like him would would want to pick this? I think you know what it does do for the voter's mind is give some give someone a sense that they could still vote, which we like people to do around here, mm-hmm. um, and that they could vote for someone else. But look, he's not doing anybody any favors. When you walk into your polling booth and you have a choice of president, there will be seven or nine names on that list oh, in yes. your state. Always. There are always third-party candidates. There are a bunch of them. There's the Constitutional Party and the yeah. People's Party and the Libertarian Party. And this stuff goes on all the time. So it's not serious as political space. But the degree to which there's a conversation frame set by famous people putting their name in to run for president in the primaries or all the way through election day. Okay. Yeah. He gets to make an argument for policies and for an approach of the government. And, you know, his statement was, which I read and maybe you did too, but it's, you know, he cares about the things that um, the president should give greater level of attention to social, social levels of issues and so on. I don't think Cornell West is saying I want to be the executive of the executive branch of the federal government. I, I don't think that that's really it's what's going a, on. Not but responsibilities he aspires to. Here, here's the here's the uh, here's the upside to something like this. I know a lot of people are only on the like it's going to split the vote, and then you know, in, in places where it's going to be close, some people are going to go away. I think what it's going to do, if anything, is r- rather than taking someone who would be voting for one of the two mainstream candidates. Maybe it's going to inspire, you know, half a percent of people who would have sat out in politics to get in. And then maybe half of that half of a percent are going to ultimately take it more seriously and realize that your vote is a is an action that has outcome. It's not your personal statement on your bio of your social media account. So it's, it's really not virtue. Your, your vote is not virtue signaling to anyone. I mean, other than the fact that you might want to, you know, you might be someone who says, oh, I voted for Jill Stein in 2016, which no one, even Jill Stein wants to admit that because, yeah. you know, that, it, that had some, had yeah, some consequences. Listen, can I, can I, can I riff for a second on, on something that I, I, sure that one of my political pet peeves is the idea that, that people are owed a vote and um (laughs) listen nobody uh, nobody owns a seat it's not Mm -hmm. it's not somebody's seat in congress it like and and no votes are owed to anybody Mm -hmm. it is the responsibility of every single candidate to go out and to make the case to as many people as possible why they deserve to be to hold that seat and listen i understand the political calculations that you might split the vote or something like that but listen it is not it is not cornell west's responsibility to get joe biden re-elected president it's Joe Biden's responsibility to get sure. Joe Biden reelected sure. president and his campaign team. Right. And if you cannot do that in the climate in which you've got mm-hmm. a Cornell West running for president, maybe you don't deserve to be president. So I like I hate the like blaming Jill Stein, blaming Ralph Nader, blame like no 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 no. 
It's the candidate's responsibility to go and make the case. And if you can't make the case of why you should be president instead of Cornell West, or you should be president Al Gore instead of Ralph Nader, or you should be president uh, Hillary Clinton instead of Jill Stein, uh, I'm sorry. Like that's that no one, you are not. A vote is like you, it's not a birthright that you deserve from people. Like it's your responsibility to make the case. So like I, I am, part of me is real happy that Cornell West is running for president because mm-hmm. he's absolutely the kind of person that I would love to get behind. And like in a, in a different scenario, like this would be the kind of thing where I'd be trying to find out like how to get like someone close to Cornell West. Cause I would be interested in helping out and doing everything I could to, uh, to help this campaign. However, but, but <laughs> as Peter Herman said, everyone I know has a big, butt. <clears throat> but Cornell West announced that he is running with, thank you, Jim. I am hundred percent correct. Uh, uh, Not about Cornell this. West announced that he's running for president with the People's Party. Now, listen, we're we're familiar with with political parties. Um, you know, there's the Libertarians, mm-hmm. there's the Green Party, mm-hmm. the Constitutional Party. There's you know we've had the Reform Party in the past. The Forward the party. party is what's trying the, what's to the Weed Party. What's the what's the, the Weed Party? Yeah, the there's marijuana. the the Rent is too damn high party. Remember that guy in New York? Um, Rent so, is too damn high party. Uh, I mean, he's just so fantastic. That guy. You remember All that guy? Politics are local, and he's literally like, "My rent is really high. I want to be yeah. president." Yeah, his like, whole campaign. Nah, he was running for governor to stay. It includes he public was, housing when you're the president. He was running for governor of New York. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, for the governor. Yeah, well, there's yeah, public housing great. available to governors too. Yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of rules have public housing available to them. Cornell West announced that he's he's running for president with the People's Party. Um, if you've never heard of the People's Party, um, you know that's you are along uh, along with ninety nine point nine percent of the American mm-hmm. public, um, and, and that might even be too low of a percentage. Yeah. Um, the People's Party is a uh, it, it came out as a result of. Um, someone who worked on Bernie Sanders staff who um, got disillusioned with um, oh, what really? was taking place within the, oh. <laughs> what was taking place within the Democratic <laughs> Party and decided oh. to um, try to attempt to start up a, a new political party um, that organiz- that organizing has been taking place over the last few years um, I I have I have seen up close third party organizing taking place and and I can say um, that the type of organizing that the People's Party is doing uh, versus some like an organization like the Forward Party, which is not is not running a presidential campaign. The Forward Party is taking a completely different strategy. They will not have a a presidential uh, candidate in 2024. They're just interrupt to Kimberly's question. What about Yang? Yang is behind the forward party, which is not putting forward a presidential candidate, but exactly. They, yeah, they're organizing 
local first and from the ground up, which I, which I think is a much more effective way to go. Listen, what I know about just adorable. Yeah. Also don't, Um, don't miss that. What I know about the people's Uh party. um, There are 50 States where you have to uh, get on the ballot. Um, In those 50 States, there's about 150 different rules of what it takes to get on the ballot. Um, to win the presidency, you have to, you know, be on the ballot in enough states, win those states, um, enough states to, you know, get enough electoral college votes. I have zero confidence in the People's Party's ability to get on the ballot in five states, let alone 50. Um, and so, I mean, this is not, this is not an organization that already has some kind of apparatus like the libertarian party or, you know, where Gary Johnson runs and he's like, he's already on the ballot in most states or they've already got organizations in all the states. Listen, I, unless things have dramatically changed since I last paid attention, um, and I'm pretty sure they haven't, Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I like Cornell West and as much as I would love to have his voice in the conversation of presidential politics, um, this is, uh, uh, this isn't going to be a real thing. Now here's how it could be a real thing as somebody who's not a fan of third parties at presidential level, because it's, we, the country doesn't want it is, is what's clear been lots of tries, been lots of tries. They don't exist anywhere in the country, right? They don't. So the apparatus has been being built for my entire lifetime and, and certainly aggressively the time that I've been paying attention to politics, which is 35 plus years. They still don't exist for any reasonable functionality. Okay. So, but if you wanted to have a party that was going to work, that wasn't the Republican party or the democratic party or the variations of one of those. You got to get, got to get moving. So what Cornell West could be doing is saying, okay, with my name and reputation, I can attract a group of people. We're going to get on the ballot in seven States. And then in 2028, we'll get on the ballot in 15 States. And then we'll have enough impetus going that we'll hit all the States by 20, what I lose track of 20, 32. Oh my gosh. Is that possible? Yeah. 2024, 2028, 2032. (laughs) So by 2032, 12 years from now, we could build enough apparatus. Is he trying to be president now? No. Look, if, if the people's party, God bless them all, chooses to get on the ballot in a dozen States, right? They want to take the Rob Ryerse challenge and, uh, and outdo it on a dozen States. I would suggest they do that in the States that Republicans are going to win the presidential election. That's a great idea. Give a voice to all of the people party like supporters in those states or pick the states that you know a Democrat is going to win anyway. I think you're better off giving a voice to people who feel voiceless. Go to a place where people are like, everyone who's elected to office here is a Republican and there's 30% of us who don't see that way at all and we want an alternative or pick a super blue state. If you start screwing around in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, 
Texas, North Carolina, you start messing in those states and pulling away voters where the margins can be very slim or people are really trying to work towards something else, then you're just being unhelpful in the in the industry of what it means to have elected officials that are going to care about the common good. So that's that's my take. Have at it, third-party people. Nothing wrong with it. But I think you're really selling a product that people don't want. Uh, and the only reason I say that is there aren't any. Uh, and if there was even a... And there's plenty of options, as you say, you know, from the rents is too damn high party to the to the ones that are much more are much more serious. There's not a, a serious uh, amount of of yeah. uh, of options for people. Yeah, yeah, and I I I think, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we we could have a, a philosophical discussion about third parties because we we see them differently. But oh, um, well, go, let's um, let's do it. What, what, what else you got? No, no. I mean, what else you got to do on a Tuesday? <laughs> I, I do have things to do you, today. You think <laughs> you think uh, you think people want them? You mean that that would be the philosophical um, disagreement? I people want them. Um, y- yes, in in so when you look at polling, the polling indicates the that a majority of Americans would like third party option. Now, totally grant you the argument that they have a third party option. That there's a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, and there's a lot of options. Um, I th- I think that there's a lot of Americans that would like a viable and durable alternative to uh, the Democratic and Republican parties. Um Okay, and, different, totally different statement. I agree with yeah. that, that they think that there needs to be some other choice. Yeah. I don't think what's, I don't think anybody I know who's like, you know what my problem is? When I go in to vote, I feel like I only have two choices. I just yeah. want three. You know what all yeah. I want? Just three. Yeah. You're not going to just want, nobody wants just, no, nobody feels the world is better if you have three instead of two choices because then you're going to say these three don't represent the whole idea that a political party cannot represent your viewpoint accurately is not solved by going from two to three so okay back 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 to it i think that um you know the the approach that many have taken has been a top-down approach this is what the Reform Party attempted when you know Ross Perot capitalizing on on his presidential runs and then you know trying to create a political party after that, um, and uh, and now it appears that the People's Party is going to be taking the same approach with Cornell West, where you start at the t- you start with a central figure and and build from the top down. Um, that approach fails. Uh, has consistently failed. The only approach that's worked in American history is when um, the Republican Party was started and uh, it began organizing in states. And 12 years after it began organizing in states, um, Abraham Lincoln was elected president. And it was it was a 12-year effort of building and organizing and growing that ultimately led to um, 
you know, Abraham Lincoln became becoming president and and there being, a you know, a new party on the scene that didn't, you know, that that wasn't. So I think I, of all of the efforts that are out there, I honestly think that what the forward party is doing with focusing in on local races, um, city council, state representative, mayor's races, those kinds of things, focusing in on those and trying to build from the bottom up, I think is the the most likely to succeed. Now, it's still a long shot because the system is the the people who make the rules are the people in power and you know they make the rules to benefit themselves and it's super complicated across the like in every state there are multiple different jurisdictions it's difficult to do this organizing work i i think the best alternative um, the best opportunity for a durable and viable alternative to the Republican Democratic parties is probably the forward party and their at- and I say that because I think the approach they're taking is the long-term approach that'll work. I think the trying to run a flashy presidential candidate and build a party out around that um, has proven to to fail. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that like in the state politics where I am, there's been in Minnesota, there's been multiple third parties that have tried to grow and build and start with legislators and maybe even get a governor. I mean, Governor uh, Jesse, the body Ventura was was one of those. And the idea is that you reach a certain level of viability and then people get comfortable with it. This is, you know, the pre-electricity history that you're speaking of with with Lincoln and others that you get to a point where there's enough people who know and recognize in one, a few small places and it comes together. That's what they tried. And over and over when those things reach any level of viability, people don't do the work and don't want to do the work and they collapse and they fall apart. And then at the federal level and the state level, once you are elected and anybody who's elected as an independent, say Bernie Sanders, not a Democrat an independent, right? He then has to caucus with someone right? He's going to either be with the what. So even if you ended up with third parties, now presidential level is different. And I've got a solution to all of this that uh, I'll hold off for another you know 15 seconds and let, let the anticipation build about what we do to, to solve this, solve this dilemma that you have. Once you become a member of the, of Congress or of your state assembly or legislature, you then have yeah. to pick which one of the sides you're going to caucus with. So even then, what is accomplished by this third party that's not also accomplished by being someone who holds those same views and then technically within a party? And if you don't want to do the actual party work, so you want to be, you know, um, like uh, Kirsten Cinema or something and say, I'm just not going to do the party work. I'm just going to be an independent. Then go ahead and just be an independent candidate and you don't need the apparatus of a party. I'm just saying that all the things that go into a party, all the organizing, all the all the funding, all the training, the things a party, a political party does, people just over and over in America have said, we don't want to do that work. Now, is that different than a pollster saying, do you want more choices when it comes to your vote? Of course. That's why we like those, those pop machines or or maybe where you're from soda machines that have the digital screen on them where you just are like, I don't have seven choices. I can mix and match my own. Of course, that's what we all say we want. We want that about everything. 
But that's but not the same thing yeah. as I want a political, I want a third political party. But here's, Rob, what I think the answer could be. And that is that the presidency becomes a nonpartisan position once you're elected. Mm. Now, I think there shouldn't be reelections. I think we pick our time, four years, five years, six years, whatever the number is. You never run for reelection. So you got mm-hmm. your five year. I think five's, five's a good number. 60 months. Maybe we go 72. Maybe we go 56 months. Don't have to do calendar years, whatever. But then you, once you're elected, you then are freed from political party obligations. Your only responsibility is to the American people. You're no longer part of it. And your job as the executive of the executive branch is not to be beholden. The thing that drives me crazy is presidents running for re-election. I wish they wouldn't. I think it's just bad for the American psyche. And even more so at the end of a second term, which, you know, our, the, the, the previous president, you know, <laughs> didn't get to do, uh, that, that you're still out stumping. Like by day you're, I'm for all of America. And then in the afternoon, you're out there, you know, saying this person would be a real hazard. And then once they're elected, you shake their hand and give them a hug and welcome them into the office. I just think we need to protect the presidency from partisan politics. I don't know that that would help all of the issues, but it at least gives us something that we vote for that is not simply party affiliations. So I think there's a way to do something that could be above, not above politics, because politics is a very good thing, but above yeah. partisanship and party yeah. loyalty. So yeah. basically the person becomes nonpartisan as, as president. I think there's a real, I think there's a real yeah. future for something like, like that, um, that, yeah. that could be, that, that could be interesting. And then you, you put in, you put rules in place about stuff like that, right? Once you're the president and we, and we already have those, like you're, unless you're Donald Trump, um, you, you follow the rules and that is you don't campaign from the Oval Office. You don't use the White House as the backdrop for your campaign events. Like you separate that when you're running yes. for re-election. So just Which, get rid of re-election yeah. altogether. Let's just yeah. stop that. Um, yep. And if you can't get it done in five years or four years, then okay. Yep. But yep. It, boy, wouldn't it take the, I mean, would it take some pressure off? Yes. Would it take all the pressure off? No, but just enough. I certainly, I certainly think. Yeah. Yeah. I, but is, I, is the answer from two parties to three or from, or 52 parties? And then everybody has to cluster into what, uh, one of two groups again. It's just like, what a problem are we solving here? And I think the American people over and over with third parties have said, we don't, but look, I'm, I'm willing to have my mind changed. And I thought 25 years ago, I truly did believe in a state that was, that was pushing hard for multiple parties. When I, when I ran for the state legislature here in, in Minnesota yeah. and didn't, didn't even get the nomination. I like to say, I was like Hillary Clinton in 2000, 2008, um, less like Hillary Clinton in 2016. I didn't even get the nomination. I'm, I'm the Bernie Sanders of Minnesota legislature. Yeah. As um, am I, I'm, you know, uh, in I, I, I found my old pamphlet and, uh, mm-hmm. It was uh, standing tall for Minnesota was my, was my slogan because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tall. I'm six foot seven. And a lot of people don't know that. And when they were only internet friends and then I meet them happened again last week, they're like, wow, I just didn't think you were that tall. I'm like, wow, I didn't think you yeah. were that small, but um, standing tall for Minnesota running with an indie Demican spirit. I created a word, an independent mm-hmm. democratic Republican spirit. Because independents have good ideas, Democrats have good ideas, Republicans back then had good ideas. 
since now I don't, don't know that they that they do. Um, but in 2008, an indie Democrat spirit was the sort of right that's kind of multi-party and sort of right like yeah. if there was a third party you'd get. I was trying to grab onto that yeah. sensibility that I had. Yeah, for sure. But now, uh, after 25 years of watching political parties, <laughs> people don't want them. I mean, let's be serious. They they might want more choices. They want to make us, you know, the, when I was a kid, we call them a suicide when you were at the at the pop machine in, in Little League, you know, and you'd put a squirt from every one of them in there. Yep. Like you were really risking your drinking uh, by mixing them together. Uh, that's what we want, but we don't want to actually build political yep. parties. You feel It feels like you were going to say something. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hey, good to see Casey uh, Franklin, uh, on here, by the way, there, there are times when, uh, when I'll say things like, Hey, when I talk to my, uh, my Trump supporting Republican friends, Casey's one of those, we, 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 we text, I hope I'm not breaking any friendship rules here, Casey, Casey and I text back and forth kind of all day, uh, just, a uh, series of important things and nonsense. Um, and uh, I take his, I take his input very, uh, very seriously though. So nice to see you here, Casey. Uh, anybody else, uh, anything else we should talk about, Rob? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, are, are we going to go, are we going to go live breaking news when uh, indictments get handed down? Oh. And uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 24 hour around the clock coverage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Break out a bottle of that whiskey again. We're going to put party oh, hats on. And, that's great. No, I honestly yep. don't know. If it happens this week, I don't know how I'll feel about it. Like the other times mm -hmm. when Trump has been uh, indicted oh. or bad things have happened, I don't know if I feel celebratory because, you know, law and order yeah. and justice is, is yeah. uh, alive and well in America. Or if there's or sadness if, because this is required. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. The just it yeah. shouldn't. Uh, yeah. I'm not we mad. Should, we I'm shouldn't just have been put in this. I'm not mad. I'm just um, sad. You don't yeah, make me mad um, anymore. I'm just sad. Yeah. Um, Doug, have you watched Shiny Happy People on Amazon Prime? No, Shiny Happy People. No. Yeah, it is a documentary about four part documentary about um, the the Duggar family, um, mm. Springdale's own. Um, oh, that's why. Yeah. And and uh, um, mm. their connection to Bill Gothard and the Institute of Basic Life Principles mm. and the influence of that on um, conservative Christianity. Um, the fourth episode deals very directly with um, the, the engagement of this group and their strategy to get involved in politics and uh, and um electoral politics in particular i think it's uh i think it's something you ought to watch and we ought to talk about it and really okay our, our friend Kristen dumay is in it maybe we could get Kristen to come on and and talk about it a bit um particularly the um the um the political aspect of things it's mm. super interesting so yeah uh yeah uh okay yeah if it's got some enduring national level of interest I, I'll, I'll look at it that whole uh, you know you know how i am about reality television uh yeah and, and i can't i can't get my i just can't do it uh i can't watch yeah no th this is watching sports for the same reason i think somehow it's just reality television <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a uh 
this is a highly recommended four part documentary. Yeah. Well, I'll be on yeah. it. Uh, all right. Hey, extra bonus minutes uh, today, friends. And we're not even charging you for that. That's just a freebie. Uh, those yeah. are free minutes. Um, don't have to pay for those. But if you did want to contribute to Vocama Good, you do that over at VocamaGood.com. Or uh, Jim was in the super chat. Hey, remember when we'd see those super chats by Jim on on YouTube and it would come up and say dollar yeah, ninety nine super, super chat? Well, I didn't know this, but super chat is uh, our, our channel has this capacity, our Vocama Good channel on YouTube where people can make a donation through YouTube to this. And then their comments are boosted up in because they've made a $2 donation or we can make a fun. So Jim, all this time we were calling you super chat, Jim, $1.99 super chat. Didn't even know what it was. Thanks for teaching us that Jim. Uh, and for, uh, you know, making, uh, any, any comments. Uh, but look, so over at YouTube, everything is just better over there. Uh, for any way you're watching this, it's just better, including an easier way for you to uh, boost your comments. It, it did, doesn't make us put them on the screen here any faster, but in the chat over there on, on YouTube. Um, so uh, if you're not on a YouTube channel yet, go over there. And if you're not just generally on YouTube, boy, boy, it's just, there's a lot oh, of good stuff on there, Rob. I, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've looked around. <laughs> But the programming is unlimited. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot. You have of a lot of choices. <laughs> there it is. A lot of yeah. It's it's a it's like the third party of of politics over at YouTube. All right. Uh, hey, tomorrow, uh, have a great conversation with the bishop of the Washington Diocese of the Episcopal Church, mm. uh, which includes the National Cathedral. Uh, the bishop, the Right Reverend Marianne Buddy. Uh, and she's the great. author of a book, uh, How We Learn to Be Brave, and be talking with her. So, you know, if if you want to class it up a little bit, join us tomorrow at the same time this one started uh, with the uh, the Bishop of the Episcopal Church and author of a great new book. And then Thursday, uh, astrophysicist Paul Wallace. So get your astrophysicist uh, mind on and uh, join us on Thursday. So, all right, uh, good full week of common goodery and programming thanks to all the people uh smudge 420q on twitch i don't know if you stuck with us but thanks uh thanks for being here kimberly jim casey mike tom tom i feel like i missed kathy oh, Myra, pam quinn thanks uh we see you when you make a comment it's the cameras William. don't work both ways no matter Myra. what you're queuing on friends are telling you we can't see you <laughs> Um, uh, you can see us. We can see you. They make me say that. Uh, all right. We done? We're hey, done. you know also can't see? People only listen on the podcast. So to all of you, Mike, listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. Joe, keep listening, buddy. And if you listened all the way in this hour and 20 minutes that we've been going, well, it's even more impressive. How long has it been, Rob? Hour and 18 minutes. All right. We'll just hold on for another minute just to get to an even hour 20. No, we won't. We'll go. Okay, bye. <laughs>